This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 8, Episode 20. Unlocking Longevity. In conversation with Professor Anil Bouchan of UC San Francisco. What is longevity? It is the fact of living or lasting a long time. And what is a long time for humans to live? 90, 100, or 110 years? Human life expectancy has increased substantially since the 19th century. The International Database on Longevity found that supercentenarians, those over 100 years old, increased rapidly in the 1970s, 80s, but plateaued in the mid-1990s at 114.9 years. Of course, Jean Calmont, the French supercentenarian, reached 122 years in 1997, but she clearly was an outlier. Modern medicine, good diet, healthy lifestyle, and genes all contributed to these great age milestones. At the same time, age-related diseases are a constant threat to longevity. Cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, arthritis, hypertension, and Alzheimer's, to mention but a few, are all threats to a long lifespan. But modern science has and continues to produce therapeutics to manage and reduce the long-term effects of such disease. But can we unlock longevity by clearing dead or dying cells, the senescent cells? The immune system is specialized in removing such damaging agents. Our cells have an immune system to identify and remove tumorgenic or senescent cells. If they are not cleared, they become chronic inflammations and cause disease, and dying cells accumulate faster as we age. A therapy to boost the immune system to clear these dying cells is needed. Enter San Francisco-based biotech startup, Deciduous Therapeutics. Its mission is to positively impact the human health span by developing novel medicines to activate our immune systems to eliminate the dead and dying cells, senescent cells. Led by Professor Anil Bouchan and Robin Mansukani, Deciduous Therapeutics has discovered novel molecules that activate the immune system. Joining us today from the UC San Francisco campus is Professor Anil Bouchan. Welcome to the show, Anil. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be um, on the show, and I look forward to chatting. Same here, Anil. And Anil, would you please take a few moments and tell our audience about your career as a researcher? Yes, so I um, have been a Californian for a long time, in the sense that I went to school at UC Davis and then did a fellowship at the Salk Institute in La Jolla, California. At that point, I decided to go spend a couple of years in Paris and learn about something that I needed to learn uh, to start my own independent research, which was to focus on, on an organ called the pancreas and was focused on 
learning more about diabetes. I started my lab at UCLA uh, studying how the pancreas and the role of pancreas in diabetes in, in terms of regenerating pancreatic cells that are lost in type 1 diabetes. And so most of my focus at when my lab was at UCLA was on metabolic diseases. And one of the discoveries that happened while uh, as the lab was moving to UCSF to, to San Francisco is the discovery that an unusual discovery, which was that pancreatic beta cells in patients, type 1 diabetes patients, had a characteristic that was that was similar to a very old cell, like a senescent cell, and that was intriguing. And so we pursued this in, in greater detail and found these senescent cells even in, you know, patients, six-year-old patients with type 1 diabetes and, and primarily in the pancreatic beta cells. And that's what intrigued us to start this whole process of looking at senescent cells. Mm-hmm. So you began your work in the senescent cell area began as a result of your research on the pancreas and diabetes, and now it's branched into, and now you've created this new startup called Deciduous Therapeutics. Could you tell us what Deciduous, how has Deciduous Therapeutics advanced the research? Yeah, so so let me give a little more background on, on, on the evolution of this. What we discovered in, in type 1 diabetes and using models for type 1 diabetes was that if we removed these senescent cells, that the disease was halted. And the, the, the key, of course, is, is how do you remove these senescent cells? And the general view that everybody had in the field until now was to take some aspects of these senescent cells that are tuned up, that, that they are you know, uh, increased in these cells and, and target them as sort of their Achilles heel and go after that and, and, and then essentially kill them and, and remove them. So that was that is the strategy that most people use and most companies that were formed on the idea of removing senescent cells. They use these drugs that target this Achilles heel of the senescent cell and they call senolytics. So the senolytics being the, the way that you remove senescent cells. There's a company, sort of the leader in the field, a company called Unity Biotech that was started about five years ago. And they use the same approach where they, they use senolytic drugs to clear senescent cells. Now, and there's a host of companies that do that. Uh-huh. But what I came looking into this and, and seeing this was that my understanding was that you know the fact that you see senescent cells in, in, in a disease and that they accumulate in any disease was because that there's a natural mechanism of the immune system that removes them and that has failed. And so my quest really was in the lab was to figure out what this immune mechanism is that removes these senescent cells naturally and why is it failing. And what what is your conclusion as regards why yeah, the system so, is failing? So that was a finding that we published recently, we, we, I, I, we, we started to look at senescent cells in, in a great sort of not, uh, state-of-the-art computational means to look at single cells and compare them to other cell types to see what is different about these cells. 
and and from those clues uh, we could see that the, that these cells actually presented what we call you know on the surface of the cell were communicating to a very particular type of immune cell and this immune cell is is not it's present in very small numbers but it forms a part of a what we call a surveillance system of immune immune surveillance and its job is to find out cells that are either infected by pathogens or damaged cells like senescent cells and, and to recognize them and to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And and these cells, these immune cells are called the invariant natural killer T cells. They're they're called invariant because of a receptor that sits on these cells that are always the same, invariant, which is helpful because we can now target these cells using that. And the natural killer cell T cells sits in between sort of the innate and adaptive immune system and, and is, is one of the first things that are activated in the body to sense, you know, in pathogen invasion or, or, or damaged cells and, and it recognizes it and, and removes them. So that is the surveillance system that we tapped into. And the key, of course, was to show is can we harness the system to remove senescent cells and, and that's what we've done in the past few years is to is to stimulate this first we showed that the this immune surveillance is is sort of dormant around the senescent cells. So it's sort of sleeping. And what we're doing is reawakening this system by giving it a little nudge, uh, which is the drug that we developed. And this then leads to removing these senescent cells. So when when, and, when you give it ahead. when you give it that little nudge, I, right. I guess there it has to be it has to be well calibrated so that you're not giving it too much of a nudge, but it's got to be a nudge all the same. And yes, that's that's the first part of my question. And the second part of my question is, is that is that a an ongoing treatment? Is that a treatment that would have to be administered once a month or once a quarter or once every six months? Yeah. So there, there's a few things that we we have we have to work with, which is how the biology of these cells work and how the body usually responds to these things. One is is that the surveillance system has a natural way to shut off itself. So when you give a nudge, the, the cells you know wake up and then they do their job and then they go back to sleep. So it's a natural cycle. We don't have to do much for them to turn off. So having that natural turn-off mechanism is very useful therapeutically. Mm-hmm. To, to, to also to the second part of your question is that what we would look for is how often do senescent cells accumulate? They don't accumulate on a daily basis. So based on, on you know, animal studies, we can assume, depending on the disease, and this will change, depending on what indication. But typically, senescent cells accumulate on a month, month or a two-month-like time scale until we envision this kind of treatment to be a monthly or a, you know, once every two months sort of treatment where you just nudge the immune systems and they go and get rid of any cells that have accumulated so far. And that it's almost you know like a going to the spa in a way. Now, you've at this point, the, the testing that you've done has been it's has it been on mice at this point? Yes, primarily on mm-hmm. mice. Yes. And at what point the results that you've seen from working on mice uh, have have been quite favorable, I guess. At what point are you moving on to humans? Yeah, so so we have a lot of human tissue that we have looked at to to 
to to make sure that this same mechanism applies because you know in in the therapeutic what what is classical paradigm there is that if it doesn't work in the mouse it's not doesn't have a chance to work in humans so mm-hmm. but if it does work in the mice it is still an extremely small chance that it translates to humans so we are at least in that phase but when we take human tissue and we establish whether these you know the similar mechanism hap- is is observed and, and it's it's it so far has shown to be same mechanism of the invariant natural killer T cells and the senescent cell accumulation appears to be related to the diseases. Uh, if we take fat biopsies from humans, you can look at the accumulation of senescent cells and it relates very closely to, to the disease state, for example, you know, type 2 diabetes. So we have data in humans to, to do that, but part of what Decidius is planning to do is to, is to carry out a clinical trial where, you know, you actually take these molecules that we have designed to, to be geared towards humans and, and to, to truly test first the safety and then to test the efficacy in humans. Mm-hmm. Are you you're in the process of doing that now or is that coming down the road later this year? No, so we are in the process. It's a long process. We have we are, we're in the process of doing the safety studies and prove to the FDA that this is a, a molecule we can take into the clinic. It's called the, the IND approval phase. So that's where we, we are for the next year and a half. And once we have that approval, then we can start to plan a clinical trial. And, and these are expensive things, so we have to you know raise money at different stages to get to this point. Of course. And I'm very excited about this about this development. What diseases do you think this therapy could be focused on? I mean, you you had talked earlier about the pancreas, but that was in the context of another research project. So what yes. so what diseases do you think this this approach this could could be efficacious? Yeah, so, you know, most of the excitement and, and the ease in terms of bringing therapies is is in in the cancer world. Now, in in terms of senescent cells, it, there there is sort of two kinds of senescent cells that we can tell from from deep analysis of their profiles, genetic profiles or, or transcriptional profiles. One is the senescent cells that surround the tumor and then the other senescent cells that arise because of damage due to insults, environmental insults, you know, such as obesity or insults to the lung that leads to lung fibrosis and and kidney um, and others. So it appears that the invariant natural killer T cell mechanism certainly operates in the latter ones, which is the ones that are damaged and lead to chronic diseases. So our initial focus has been based on both work in the lab as well as in human patients that we can get access to samples. It seems to be that that is the early approach to be testing this mechanism in, in a clinical trial to be focused on diseases such as chronic kidney diseases mm. that lead to fibrosis or liver fibrosis diseases or, or uh, metabolic diseases. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the focus of that. And these are the chronic diseases that make, you know, to bring the ball around. When we think of lifespan and we also think of health span, and these are the diseases that make not only reduce your lifespan, but also make your life miserable. So to have a, a these age-related diseases, you know, have a therapy for these age-related diseases will help in, in making a, 
it will help generally in the longevity space. Now, how did you how did you decide that those particular ailments, those particular diseases, would be the first wave of research and the first diseases to benefit to benefit from this treatment? Yeah, so we 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 have a pretty in depth analysis of indicator selections and and some of the criteria we use are, for example, the basic science behind it. Does does this have animal models that are you know that that we can show efficacy in that does it work two does it have a diagnostic so when you do a clinical trial you need a proper diagnostic to to assess whether your therapy is actually working and three is the general market as well as the availability to get patients and, and to recruit patients to do this so all of these criteria led us to these initial diseases that are that have a need that mm-hmm. don't have a current therapy um, for example idiopathic lung fibrosis you know, it's not a it's not a disease that affects a lot of people but there is currently the therapies are, are not very good and they treat mostly the symptomatic aspects of it but uh, you know we, we we think that's one of those diseases and other diseases the second thing is that a lot of the, the, the there's an overlap between the diseases that is you know kidney fibrosis diseases also overlap with cardiac fibrosis and and systematically removing senescent cells is a more holistic way to look at you know the modern medicine rather than to treat patients by looking at the one aspect of the disease that manifests in, in, in a patient. As a layman, speaking as a layman, and obviously I'm not a, a scientist, and you can probably tell that from, from the questions that I'm asking you, but as a layman, yeah. it would seem to me that once you have, assuming that you have success in those, in the early trials and treating those, that first wave of diseases, the the general concept of a therapy which targets senescent cells might be applicable to a host of other diseases also. Is, is that a fair? Yes, it, yeah, that is, that is part of our, our, our goal and, and selling point as well, is that this is, it, it's, um, it's applicable to many, many diseases and the basis of many, many diseases. So, you know, this is a test of how this works, but, but in general, this could be a way to, to, treat diseases in a more, uh, what should I say, a more holistic way of mm-hmm. treating diseases and, and looking at the root cause of some of the diseases rather than just treating them symptomatically. Now, Anil, um, are you and Deciduous Therapeutics, is, is this a unique uh, a unique effort on your part? Are there are there other researchers who are looking at this or, or is this something just unique to, to you and Deciduous Therapeutics? Um, at this point, it is unique because our our work was just published recently uh, about a month ago, and really nobody in the field uh, in the field of senescence no, nobody was really looking in any great detail at this idea of Indian surveillance. Um, there's a few people who have you know looked at some aspects of it in in a, in a cancer therapy, but not not in a unified sort of way on how you could therapeutically translate that and. This is, um, I would say, in the space of aging, age diseases, and and we we are fairly unique. Mm-hmm. Are there is there any applicability at all to Alzheimer's? Yeah, so you know, a lot of the new de- neurodegenerative diseases, we 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 base it on on a lot of the initial work 
of senescence and senescence removal came from Mayo Clinic, a few you know people that pioneered this this approach, and they have developed a genetic a mouse that is genetically you can remove senescent cells. Mm-hmm. And using that, you can now take that mouse and put that into various diseases and models and see if that's beneficial. And so there's work from there that showed that it's beneficial to remove senescent cells in a neurodegenerative disease. Of course, it's really hard to extrapolate from a mouse in terms of its learning memory and all that, but at least initially it seems like it's possible. But part of Basidius's approach is really is to establish this as a platform of senescence removal that can mm-hmm. be applied to any disease that people think senescence removal will be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me with this, it seems that this is a, uh, a revolutionary approach. Has the investor community, the investment community, responded to your um, satisfaction? So they responded very favorably to, to our initial seed to set up the company. And we're in the midst of raising more money currently. And, uh, you know, as, as anything that goes revolutionary and it takes a while to educate the investors on the potential of this technology, mm-hmm. and that's what we are currently doing. Very exciting. I'm so, I'm kind of lost for words. It's such a it's such a revolutionary it's a revolutionary approach. But even as a layman, the the logic of your approach is very compelling to me, and I look forward to look forward to seeing this this open up and develop as we go forward. Yeah. So the one analogy to think about this is is to think about cancer therapy and 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 the decades we had of chemotherapy and and how sort of not only detrimental it was to the patients, but how somewhat ineffective it was. Yes. And and when immunotherapy arrived on the scene, you know, about 10 years ago or so, it's revolutionized certain aspects of cancers. I mean, especially the blood cancers and other cancers has been revolutionized by immunotherapy. So, so you know, we have this enormous potential of uh, tapping into and, and coaxing the immune system to do what it's normally supposed to do. Well, that, that's a that's a very exciting development, and Anil, in the remaining few minutes left in our in our podcast, are there are there any other thoughts you'd like to share with our with our listeners? Because it's rare that our listeners have an opportunity to hear directly firsthand from a frontline researcher who's actually in the lab who is making these discoveries. Any any closing thoughts for our listeners out there? I mean, yes. I mean, you know, we have, you know, this is on a larger sense, but we've seen an assault on on science in the last five, six years. And and we've also seen the amazing breakthroughs that science can generate as well. So it's a roller coaster in a way. You know, I, I would say, you know, people should really support medical research and and how it's carried out in, in academia and this interface between academia and and um, biotech and and that's going to transform our lives with without a question and i think that's a that's a very important note to end on because there has been an assault on science uh, most recently in the last four or five years and i think by by having you talk today and explain to our listeners the cutting edge work that you're doing in the senescent cell area 
should give pause to all of our listeners and to, to, to everyone that the, the scientific breakthroughs that you're outlining to us and that we're seeing around us, whether it's in the COVID vaccine or, or other areas, these are, are so critical to improving our health and the quality of our life. And I, again, I want to thank you for the work that you've done, the innovation that you've created here. And uh, we, wish you, we wish you great luck and great success in your, in your fundraising going forward, though I'm sure you won't need to have luck. I'm sure the success will speak for itself. Thank you, Jim. It's, it's a great forum, and, and I wish you, uh, you know, you're doing a great, I, I happen to listen to a few of your post, uh, podcasts, and I think uh, this is a great forum. Well, many thanks, Anil, and I'll look forward to having you back in about six months' time to give my listeners an update on deciduous therapeutics. And again, thank you for thank joining you. us. Thank you. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit our website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com and subscribe. It's free to do so, and by subscribing, all future episodes will come directly to your inbox. You can also read my blog, listen to the 165 previous episodes of the podcast, peruse my book, send me an email, or make a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.